This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Crime, 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 Batman has no pity. Madness reigns across Gotham City. Listen to Chris and Jerry. Loaded Town, podcast sound. Go to town. It is bad books for beginners. Loaded Town, podcast sound. It is bad books for beginners. It's a podcast you're waiting to see. Come along and join with all the friends and find the cream of DC. Listen to BBFB. Load it down. Podcast sound. Go to town. It is bad books for beginners. Load it down. Podcast sound. It is bad books for beginners. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 203. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Gotham City Sirens. So, Chris, tell us about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, Hazy Shade of Winter. <laughs> yeah, little Simon and Garfunkel. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I love that song. Yeah, well appropriate. Yeah. Okay, so, hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for spending some of your time with Jerry and me today. Well, once again, we're going to take a pass on Batman 188 today, and our focus <laughs> is going to be on Gotham City Sirens Union. This is a 176-page trade paperback that was published by DC Comics as a softcover, full-color trade paperback, published in April of 2011 and had a cover price of $17.99. This trade paperback collects the first seven issues of the title Gotham City Sirens, which were cover dated August 2009 through February 2010, and each individual was cover priced at $2.99. There also exists a hardcover version of this book, which was published in April 2010, that was originally cover priced at $19.99. Both of these versions appear to have only gone through one printing and are since out of print. However, in 2014, a softcover deluxe trade edition called simply Gotham City Sirens Book 1 came out and went through a first and subsequent printings. This book collected the first 13 issues of the comic book series and was priced at $24.99. Amazon currently has this priced at $19.99, and on Kindle and Comixology, this is priced at $14.74 at the time of this recording. If you're obtaining a trade, and if you want to be you know interested in 
checking this out, uh, the aforementioned routes may be the way to go because the original issues uh, are going for more than double the cover price, and copies of high-grade condition tend to be much, much more exorbitant than that. Hmm. Uh, It also should be noted that last year, a $75 hardcover book entitled Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens was released, and that collects all 26 issues of the series. Hmm. It's like a big, massive omnibus, and there's also Catwoman Volume 2, number 83, collected in that as well. Hmm. Now, for our creative teams, as per usual, I'm going to go off some online resources and my memory. Uh, Our writer is Paul Dinney, and he's been mentioned as recently as a couple of episodes ago. The five-time Emmy Award winner for his animation work, Uh, Dinney was born in August 7th, 1957, in New York, New York. He's 61 years old, and he's a graduate of Emerson College. He did some freelance animation scripts for Filmation. He wrote some episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Later credits past that include Tiny Toon Adventures. And then, when I first noticed his work, the early 1990s Batman the Animated Series. There, along with Bruce Timm, he co-created the character Harley Quinn. He and Bruce Timm collaborated on the Harley and Ivy Limited series for DC in 2004. He became the writer of Detective Comics as of issue 821 and created a new version of the Ventriloquist in issue number 827. And let's see, Diddy wrote a number of one-and-done stories over the following year with a couple of crossovers with Grant Morrison's Batman. One focused on the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, another was the return of Hush. Let's see, uh, he also worked on the aforementioned uh, book that we're doing right now. <laughs> and he wrote... Uh, the graphic novel Dark Knight, that's Night with an N, a true Batman story based on the mugging he experienced in 1993. That book was published in June of 2016. I said it before, I'll say it again. It is a book I highly recommend. Paul Dini is married to a magician by the name of Misty Lee, and as often the case, whenever Paul Dini is mentioned on our podcast, Jerry and I are going to wonder if Zatanna is going to appear anywhere in this trade, and she has a tendency to do so when we ever curl over a Paul Dini story, and if she does appear... Has Jerry warmed up to the way she casts a spell? But we'll get to that in due time. Let's see. Writing credits also go to uh, Scott Lobdell, who wrote for issue number three. Lobdell was born in 1960. Lobdell did not begin to read comics until he was 17 years old while lying in bed after a lung surgery. Later, he went to college to study psychology, but quit two years later when he began to write. While in college, he wrote for the college newspaper, and he interviewed Marvel Comics editor Al Milgram. Now, in the 1990s, Lobdell became known for his work on Marvel Comics X-Men-related titles, and this would be where I would first encounter his work, specifically on Uncanny X-Men. And he did a spinoff uh, conceived with artist Rich Bachelot called Generation X, which he wrote the first 28 issues of. He's also worked on Daredevil and Teen Titans, and currently you can find his writing on DC's Red Hood and the Outlaws. Our artist is Gillam March. Gillam March was born in Marlowe. Spain in 1979. He worked in the Spanish publishing trade for Eros Comics and some other adult comic books around the year 2000. His first published work for DC Comics was also his debut in the American comic book industry in 2008 on the title Joker's Asylum, subtitled Poison Ivy. And later he worked on other titles including Batman, Detective Comics, Azrael, Death's Dark Knight, Oracle the Cure, Gotham Gazette, and the one we're covering today, Gotham City Sirens, which I think it might be fair to say this might be the work he's maybe best known for, mm-hmm. for American comic book audiences anyway. More recently, he also did Justice League Dark, Trinity of Sin, Sinestro, Earth 2, World's End, Starfire, and he did some work for Marvel Comics on the title Wolverines. He appears to be pretty active on Instagram, 
if you want to catch his work there. Uh, just to uh, warn you, it is a little bit of an adult nature, uh, not safe for work, but uh, just to put that out there, that's where you can find some of his other stuff. Now, over on Amazon.com, this trade has a rating of 4.4 stars out of 5, based on just 9 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.04 stars out of 5, based on 127 reviews and 2,351 ratings. Oh, that's quite strong mm-hmm. scores there. Yeah. But, however, how Jerry and I rate this <laughs> remains to be seen. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network. We're a married couple who enjoy great stories of all kinds, including adventures, mysteries, science fiction, and fantasy. Please join us for a variety of podcasts focused on a range of pop culture topics. Trekker Talk is about 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the comic Trekker by writer and artist Ron Randall. It's a blend of classic sci-fi adventures and noir mysteries set in a retro future. Xenozoic Xenophiles is about the comic Xenozoic Tales by writer and artist Mark Schultz. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Warlord Worlds covers the many comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and The Legion of Superheroes. Sensational Sluice, where we talk about favorite mystery novels, movies, and TV shows. Fantastic Fantasies, where we share our favorite fantasy films and books. And Amazing Adventures, where we discuss action-packed adventure stories. Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or visit RadAdventuresNetwork.com to find all of our shows and links to our social media pages. That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. Welcome back. Here is the story of Gotham City Sirens. Just to remind everyone the setup, Bruce is still missing... Dick Grayson has taken over as Batman, and Tommy Elliot has used plastic surgery to look just like Bruce. Tommy recently pulled out Catwoman's heart, but she's better now, even though since the heart incident, Jason Todd impersonated Batman and threw her off a roof onto a car. Elliot is now masquerading around Gotham as the missing Bruce Wayne and is giving away all his money. Now, on to the story. (laughs) Catwoman is swinging around Gotham when she comes upon a villain, Bone Crusher, accosting a young couple. He has some sonic-powered gloves on. Catwoman breaks up the attack but gets walloped by the up-and-coming baddie. Bone Crusher is trying to build a reputation, you see. Selina, in a weakened state from her recent health issues, is in trouble. Luckily, Poison Ivy comes to her rescue. She uses some vines to incapacitate the weirdo. Ivy takes Selina back to Eddie Nigma's apartment. She's giving Eddie some plant-based drug to keep him a slobbering slave. (laughs) Harley is staying with them also. She's been out shopping. Both of them have been squandering the money Selena stole from Tommy Elliot. They don't seem to mind. Harley claims to be over Mr. J, the Joker, but nobody else seems so sure, for good reason. Selena suggests they band together as a bad girl trio to help protect each other. Ivy asks why she would want to join up. Are the rumors about Batman being gone true? She knows Selina had a relationship with him. Ivy and Harley talk amongst themselves. Ivy checks in with Zatanna, who helped heal Selina after her recent trouble. 
She thinks that Selena's troubles could be psychological. Ivy and Harley decide to join with Selena. Yay, the sirens are together. Just then, Bone Crusher bursts into the apartment. He's going to take out all of the ladies and Nigma too. However, it turns out he isn't too familiar with the electrical performance of his sonic gloves and hasn't properly insulated them. Luckily, Selena has properly insulated her outfit. Bzzz, game over, man. Nigma snaps out of his dreamy haze and wonders what happened to his apartment. No matter, the ladies are leaving. They contact the broker who we've seen before, who finds them a new pad, and they move into an abandoned shelter for cats and dogs. When the three are alone, Ivy hits Selena with some plant gas, kind of like a truth serum. She asks her, who is Batman? Uh-oh. <laughs> now, unbeknownst to Ivy and Harley, Selena spent some time with Talia El Ghul, who taught her some mental tricks so as not to, to betray Bruce and the Bat family. Selena replies to Ivy that Bruce Wayne is Batman, as is Jim Gordon and Harvey Dent and Slam Bradley, and more. Many people take turns being Batman. What one person could take all that punishment? The two ladies reluctantly believe her. Selena is upset at the aggressive way they brought the question to her, but Ivy points out they need to make sure they weren't being set up, and she will make it up to her. Tommy Elliot, who now looks like Bruce Wayne, is in the process of giving away the Wayne fortune when he's kidnapped by some baddies. Harley, who is out shopping, sees the kidnapping and saves the, play the fake playboy. Tommy knows that Harley is connected to Catwoman, and he wants revenge from her taking away his money and all. He decides to get cozy with Harley and get close to Selena. The two are on the news together and appear to be close. Selena realizes that Harley is in danger from Tommy. The two go on a rooftop date, which is talked about on the news. Elliot knows Selena will realize the danger and come to save Harley. Also watching the report is the Joker, who declares he hates Harley. He sends some of his minions in a Joker Zeppelin. This interrupts Tommy from pushing Harley off the roof. Ivy used her connection to the plant world to find the pair and then stop the dirigible. Selena gets hold of the fake Bruce Wayne. Tommy gets a hold of a machine gun, and rather than shoot the sirens in front of the cops, he brings down the Zeppelin and is hailed as a hero. Harley is excited that Mr. J came for her. Maybe he does care. Or not, a mechanical joker drives a van through their window and tries to kill them by exploding the car. Ivy coaxes a cactus to explode, putting out the flames. Harley still thinks the best of Mr. J, but the others convince her that Joker is dangerous and she needs to help them find him. But first, they hire the carpenter, a woman from the Wonderland gang. They want her to fix up the animal shelter to be their home. It will be expensive, but worth it. Harley realizes the exploding car was from an old collection of Joker gizmos that are stored in a certain warehouse. The ladies go there. Harley is confused because Mr. J had turned his back on all that old stuff. Weird. Joker hears them coming, but Ivy attacks him with some vines. They go to hurt him, but Harley starts to protest. Ivy gags her with vines, thinking that Harley has had a change of heart and wants to save Joker. Still, even with her mouth covered, Harley is trying to speak. Joker says he wants to kill Harley because he was number one and she took it all away from him. Harley gets free and says, that isn't Mr. J. Turns out it's one of Joker's old sidekicks from before Harley's time, Gaggy, 
or more correctly, Gagsworth A. Gagsworthy, a little person with a Moe Howard haircut. He's upset that Harley took his place as Joker's main sidekick. Selina gets dropped down a trapdoor with some hyenas. Ivy gets some sticky bubbles on her face so she can't breathe. Ivy frees herself, and Selina tames the hyenas. The two get trapped in a room that has walls closing in on them. Ivy uses some vines to slow the walls down, and Selina makes a phone call. Gaggy tells his story about being fired as a comedic tightrope walker at Haley's Circus and was discovered by Joker. The two had a great career together until the pair went to prison. Joker snapped in prison and killed some fellow prisoners with a lunch tray and was sent to Arkham, where he found Harley. After that, Joker was never the same. His joyful sense of humor turned dark, and he rejected Gaggy in favor of Harley. Back in the present, the carpenter answers Selina's call and drills the ladies out of the trap. The sirens launch Gaggy into the Gotham sky in Joker's Jupiter Jalopy. He survives, but the ladies know that Harley is still getting over her toxic relationship with the Joker. The End Now, there's also a couple of side stories. So, side story number one, Riddler and uh, Dick Batman solving a serial killer crime. Turns out it's not one serial killer, but a gang of killers. Dick figures it out with the help of Alfred and the Bat Computer, but Nigma isn't too far behind. The side story number two is a holiday tale. Selena breaks up a gang of Santas attacking people with knives. She has a celebratory drink with Dick Grayson. The two drink to absent friends. Ivy is in a Central American rainforest where she sees some drug lords messing with an eco-tourist family that stumbled on their turf. Ivy brings the forest to life and defeats the baddies and wishes the family a Merry Christmas. Harley visits her family. Her mom is a grouch, her brother is lazy and won't get a job, and her father's in jail. They're all whiny and not very festive, though her niece and nephew look up to her and her sweeties. They ask if she's killed Batman yet. She visits her father in jail, and he tries to trick money out of her. He's promised one of his jailers that he can take a selfie with Harley. She does. Harley goes to the refurbished animal shelter. It's beautiful, though it was expensive. Selena and Ivy greet her warmly and look over their new digs. There's an arboretum, a gym, and a war room. That'll be handy. There's also a toy room for Harley. This team-up is going to work out just fine. The End So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick. 
easy, fun reading that gives the soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure that those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. All right, Chris. What'd you think? Well, Jerry, first off, I really got to applaud you for the uh, great job you did with the story recap on this. Uh, Outstanding, and I I don't think I give you enough props for that. So a fine, fine job with this one. Thank you. Well, first off, let's go to the bottom line. Yes, I liked it, but uh, that's not to say I didn't have some quibbles, which you and I Mm -hmm. will pick apart a little bit later. Uh, I remember when this came out, and my local comic shop couldn't keep this book on the shelf. There was always such a high demand for this. This is a book that attracted a lot of customers. of various ages and both sexes really, really got into this title. They were kind of surprised that there wasn't any any. Uh, it got sort of uh, had a limited run, if you will. This didn't. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a long ongoing title, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. There was no little side off specials or anything of that nature, which kind of perplexed uh, some managers at my local comic store. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the story itself, uh, I really like the character of the carpenter. I, I don't know why you know we, we don't see her currently. There, this is a character I kind of yeah. wanted to get to know more of because I already think I have a good handle on characters of Harley and Ivy and Catwoman. And when somebody new was brought into the mix, I, th- I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zatanna made it a brief <laughs> appearance. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you've ever warmed up to her backward spells yet, but we can talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I did want to bring up to you, though, Jerry, was sure. uh, two points. Uh, well, among others. I mean, I know we've got a lot to get to here. Uh, was was the art a little bit too sexualized mm-hmm. here? Was this mm-hmm. too cheesecakey? That's something I, I want to talk to you about. Um the character Catwoman is primarily a solo character. Is she, mm. quote, in character here by being with this core friendship and bond of Harley and Ivy? Uh, we, we've got somebody who's like a, a third person and, and does this mesh well and, and does this 
play out appropriately. And one thing I was going to ask you, you know, if you've got a title like Birds of Prey, where you have the core characters of uh, Barbara Gordon and uh, Dinah Lance Black Canary, but Huntress is there, but you've also had road-hitting characters throughout the years. Could somebody else be considered a Gotham City siren, Mm. say like Magpie or Talia Mm. or Roxy Rocket, or even... The siren for Batman sixty six could Gotham siren could oh, could the siren be a Gotham yeah. City siren? So it's, it's one of these things that uh, I think I, I'd love to discuss with you, and sure. we've got a lot of things to uh, touch base on. So uh, one of the things I was going to ask you first, I know you really really love Catwoman, yeah. and she's been a favorite character of yours for a long time. My, myself as mm-hmm. well. Uh, do, does she work here as mm-hmm. she's not? Would you say she's an interloper? Do, do, mm-hmm. do you see it's plausible with her uh, teaming up with Harley and Ivy? And what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard for me to be objective about this story because I really, really like it. Um, And I've liked this one for a long time. This is a really kind of an important um, series of stories for me in my um, kind of Batman, Bat family uh, reading. Uh, And as you point out, you know, um, Catwoman has been one of my favorite characters ever since I saw her during the original run of Batman, uh, the 66. So, you know, obviously if you're a Batman, Bat family fan, um, Batman is, is central to that. And it's almost to say, Oh, Batman is my favorite, favorite Bat family character is kind of silly, right? (laughs) Because of course, you know, you got to love Batman, but I would say after him, Selena is my next favorite character in the Batman universe. Um, and you you make a good point. She is generally a loner and um, very, you know, kind of by herself, um, usually. Um, she'll team up with people, but, you know, it's usually to um, as a means to an end, uh, not in this kind of permanent team up situation. I will say, though, I think that in this case, I think it works. And the reason is, is uh, kind of twofold. One is that she's been hurt. You know, she's really recently, you know, had her trauma with her heart being pulled out, with being uh, injured, uh, being thrown off the roof. And she's weak. And they talk about that a lot during uh, the fight. Uh, against bone crusher that she feels like a little weak and she really needs help to kind of get back on her feet. Uh, so I think in that aspect, you know, having some friends, having some folks look out for her, um, you know, are, are, would be good for her and she would be probably open to that at this time. But I think even more so it's because Bruce is gone, you know, she, and Bruce are soulmates in my, you know, the way I read um, these books. And he's gone and she's kind of lost. So I could definitely understand that she might act against type um, in both for both of these reasons and look to kind of join a team of folks that are powerful and questionable, <laughs> you know, they, they'll understand her bad side, but also seem to, um, be their hearts seem to be in the right place most of the time. So I think in that sense, it works for me. How about yourself? Well, Jerry, you bring up a good point. You know, Catwoman does this for a means to an end and stuff like that. They're, they're, I have to give credit for Adini not just to basically mm-hmm. shoehorn the characters together. They do have a backstory, yeah. and there is a purpose why they they, they more or less cross paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, for strong reason, weak reason, if you will, there is at least a reason. And I have to give credit to Dini for giving us that much, at least. Uh, this does start out a little bit with some tension, because mm-hmm. we do have Ivy 
questioning her. There's the there's the element of trust. They want to know who Bruce's identity. I mean, this is not this sort of gets off on a shaky start, you know, mm-hmm. with with the female bond. But at the end of the day, it's like, uh, hey, I need you to look after my, look, you know, cover my back. And this is yeah. essentially what this is about. And the the mm-hmm. characters doing this, and and you do get a little bit of a core uh, friendship, if you will, established. But it does take a little bit of time, and it does come with a little bit of testing, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with respect to uh, the the identity sequence, the the sequence when Gaggy comes in, and they there or or if the Joker bursts in the room, you know who who's got each other's back to uh, look out for each other, and and they mm-hmm. do that, and I think that's the core and the heart of this. So. It did work for me, and uh, I, I did have some qualms because I just didn't know if that would be executed, and would that satisfy me as a fan mm-hmm. and fans of others who think Catwoman is more of an independent uh, uh, character that works yeah. primarily solo. Yeah, I, I think it did work for me on this one. I don't know if we got any more ground to cover with that respect, but I'm eager to talk about if we thought the art here was a little too cheesecakey or not, mm-hmm. or did this work because I, I you know when I was doing some research for this episode I, I looked up Gillum uh, March on the like I mentioned on the uh, Instagram and mm-hmm. boy the, <laughs> if you thought uh, he was he was racy or sexualizing characters in this title uh, he he goes pretty all out I mean mm-hmm. he, he lives in Spain I, I'm, I'm presuming and he takes pictures of nudes on the beach or mm-hmm. draws nudes on the beach excuse me mm-hmm. uh, both of male and female and uh, it's it's all out there <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know Jerry uh, I, I thought I guess I've seen worse I'm trying mm-hmm. to think if anybody would be really offended with this um, I think it was a little more tamer than I thought it could be, so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just not sure because I know back in the '90s things really tended to be over-sexualized in, yeah. in a lot of books across the board. Here, I, I can't say this wasn't sexualized, but I'm trying to think of a degree of how extreme this was, and I think mm-hmm. it's sort of somewhere in the middle. And I don't know mm-hmm. if my lens is clouded because I saw if his other stuff on Instagram. So what were your thoughts and impressions with respect to the artwork? Well, I, I definitely think um, March has a um, uh, an affection for the these characters' derriere. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I concur. He, that, and, you know, they're in a lot of skin-tight suits, which, you know, accentuate their curves. Um, and I think particularly Poison Ivy is hardly dressed at all. Um, she's in her little leafy outfit. And I think in a few cases she's, she's, um, when she's in the rainforest, she's shown as, I think, nude or nearly nude, although, you know, it's, um, you know, things are hidden. But, um, I, I, I definitely see your point about this being uh, a little more sexualized than, you know, necessary anyway. Um, I think the way Harley is shown, she's, you know, in kind of um, skimpy shorts and stuff like that. Um, the funny thing is, is this is a kind of a transitional period for the way Harley looks. She's partially in that kind of um, black and red Harlequin uh, skin tight outfit with the, with the, you know, dangles in her, in her headpiece. Um, but then she's also shown in shorts and a little more uh, leaning towards the more modern portrayal of her. Um, so I think that from that standpoint, this is interesting, but you know, your point is definitely well taken. There's a lot of, um, as is yours with respect to uh, the specific body part that seems to mm. be uh, highlighted here. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm trying to re- recall, you know, just how many 
times we saw Ivy specifically with her backside backside showing and her looking over the shoulder. I think there was at least one on the cover, and mm-hmm. it seems like uh, several instances where it's it's just specifically her, and it's just her specifically body part that uh, yeah. uh, derriere, if you will, and. <laughs> I, I I should have kept uh, a tally, but I thought, wow, he he really uh, is into that, and I, mm-hmm. I guess, and um, I I don't know, and it, you you sort of have to draw a line, you know, with uh, th- this is characters with a very very broad appeal, yeah. uh, and this does sort of fall in the lines of you know girls looking at this book and wondering what they think you know mm-hmm. uh, i'm trying to think if if would the line of demarcation be for age appropriateness would this mm. be I, i'd have to think probably at least uh uh young teen but i, I I'd, yeah. I'd be a little leery if i went a little lower than that uh, yeah. with respect to uh age appropriateness of, of this and which mm-hmm. is kind of sad because you know i i know a lot of girls really dig these characters and yeah. i i just don't think the representation here and there well it could have been better let's say i i I think that that said i've seen worse and i've seen a little bit more things over the top but um it it really really toes that line very very carefully very very carefully agreed agreed um you know for me reading this um the other thing is you know so if selena is my second favorite uh, character in the Batman universe. Uh, Harley is maybe the third favorite character at this point. Um, I, I think that, and here too, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the ladies having each other's backs. Um, I think that they are really good about trying to make sure that Harley doesn't go back into a very toxic relationship. And, um, you know, even to the point of when it works against the team, right, they tie her up. She's like, that's not Joker. But no, they can, you know, Ivy ties her up and, you know, keeps her from being able to talk. Um, and so I think this combination of these three particular characters really gels. And over time, you know, and also you mentioned before about, you know, Selena being kind of a, a loner, you know, you do have. The relationship between Harley and Ivy um, develops into a romantic one over time, not in this book. And Selena is, in a sense, the third siren, right? She loves Bruce um, and isn't involved with that um, kind of part of the relationship of the three. But um, so in a sense, she has a different relationship than the other two. And I just think that this develops and it starts here um, into a very, very fascinating and complicated um, trio that as as time goes on. And this is where it begins. And I, I get a kick out of reading it again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would have, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, and I, I don't know where you would stand on this, Jerry, but we do acknowledge the, the, the core friendships here and, and the relationships between the three. Mm-hmm. I, I would have liked to have seen, and I, to be honest and candid, I'm not, I don't recall all of the series run issue for issue, what have you. And the, maybe this does happen later on, but I don't think it did, but could, could, could another person possibly be considered a siren, say your, your magpie, your Roxy rocket, uh, Talia, I, I really don't see yeah. <laughs> a, a Gotham city siren or base of operations is more, more of a global one than, than, than something specific to Gotham. But uh, a different female villainess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Could, could, could this series have introduced another character, and would it have played? Or do you think we really want to know a little bit more internally about uh, our, our three focal characters here? 
You know, I think you mentioned, you mentioned the birds of prey. And I think it's a really good example because that's another great female uh, superhero team. Now, the difference is on Birds of Prey, they are objectively good guys. Huntress, right, when she she's part of the team mostly, um, I, I guess the core is um, Oracle and Black Canary of Birds of Prey. And then Huntress is almost always a main part of it. I, that's the way I see it. Yes. Um and so they're by and large heroes, um, giving a little bit of leeway to Huntress. <laughs> but in this case, these, these ladies are anti-heroes, I think. And I know they've talked about this with the movies that they're making and they're talking about making. I think that this team, the Sirens together, work really well. But I would love to see more crossovers type things with the birds of prey themselves, um, you know, where the, the sirens, you know, all oh, those goody two shoe birds of praise. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I, I think that there's a lot of um, opportunity there for some interesting drama. Do you do you think there would be any one kind of character that could be brought into the sirens? Jerry, I, I I just had a quibble because you know I, I, that's a great question. That's a f- excellent question, I, and I honestly no one really came to mind uh, yeah. unless you created an original character. Perhaps I, I tried to run the list down, and it was a very short list, but mm-hmm. none of them just seemed to fit. You know, yeah. uh, you know your magpies, your Roxy Rockets. Uh, if you maybe introduced a. a uh, uh, the siren, but I don't know where the rights are tied up to with the character because they couldn't necessarily use King Tut in in, in Batman mm. current Batman comics. So you'd have to maybe uh, call her Lorelai or something else like that. Mm. Uh, I thought possibly Artemis uh, as as a as, as a possibility, but uh, from over back in the Red Hood days, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of any possibly. Uh, could Stephanie Brown, Stephanie or Brown, or Cassandra, some, or yeah, yeah, not really. I, I just, I, I'm just unsure. I'm just yeah. unsure. But uh, I, I do like the idea of having, and you know, not as a member of the Sirens, the idea of having Riddler, um, who is this kind of a similar tone, right? Here, he's a private investigator, so he's a bad guy gone good, or. Or Penguin, right, as the um, club owner of the Iceberg Lounge, a bad guy that's, eh, you know, trying, has has a foot on, in both worlds, good and bad. And having them interact with the sirens, I think, is, um, you know, com- complex, right? These guys, they know <laughs> what each other is capable of and what they're trying to be, uh, or at least trying to portray themselves at. But I don't really see any one character that could join the sirens. You know, it's funny you mentioned Edward Ingo because back in the day, you know, in like, I want to say in the nineties, he had like these two females called query and echo. And mm. I just wondered whatever became of those characters, you know, and mm-hmm. I wonder if they would come up with their own shtick, you know, if, if they got tired of hanging out with that Eddie, if Eddie was too demanding, maybe they did their <laughs> own thing or are they loyal to let Eddie too much? Yeah. Like Harley's can't shake the loyalty to Joker every now and then, you yeah, know. I, I think that, that that that's an intriguing possibility. So yeah, I, yeah it's, it's it's gives you gives you a lot of food for thought. Yeah, it definitely does. And you know, I think they they didn't go into it so much in in this issue, except for in the side story. But showing uh, Riddler as a detective, I think, is just a lot of fun. It is. That said, uh, it, it almost was like though 
did, did he get too much exposure in this? Because mm. I think uh, I think it was an issue number three. This was essentially not really a Gotham City Sirens issue. Yeah. This this was Riddler was at the focal point, and I was a little bit alarmed, thinking, well, this story could work if you had a few more issues under your belt. But mm-hmm. here you are at issue three, and you're still trying to find your footing. And what is this? Yeah. This this was basically a Riddler story, not not as in as much as a Gotham City Siren story. Uh, did you agree with that? Uh, totally. Why? So you've started a new series, Gotham City Sirens. You have three great characters, and on your third issue, there I think they're only in one page. The rest <laughs> of it is Riddler and um, you know Dick as Batman as they're trying to solve the serial killer thing. What on? earth with and it has nothing to do with the story that they're going through i i don't understand why they did that yeah and that that uh really kind of threw me for a loop and it's certainly it's certainly a fine story and we Mm -hmm. should mention that you know scott labdell wrote it as opposed to uh, paul denny who wrote the other uh, seven issues it's it's an okay Peace, but sure. did it belong here? And I, I think it really threw me for a loop. And I, I think you, you kind of felt a little shortchanged for yeah. something that has Gotham City sirens on the cover. Where are they? <laughs> you know, and uh, but like you, you know, I do like those Riddler uh, detective stories, but I, I just don't know what it was doing here and why was it here so soon if it was here at all. You know, yeah. I, that kind of kind of uh, to foreshadow a little bit. This this sort of gave me a little bit of a hint of a downgrade with respect mm. to the overall work. So yeah, I agree. Um, and we do get Zatanna. Yes. <laughs> Have you warmed up to her spell casting at all? She, I think she tried to get one out and she couldn't even get it out. I think Ivy kind of quickly uh, gagged her before she was able to, or, 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 or immersed her in water really quick before she could get something out. But uh, and we see Zatanna, and uh, have you warmed up to her uh, shtick, if you will, her appeal, or is it same old Zatanna for you, Jerry? Well, you know, I do like Zatanna as a character. I okay. just don't like the spell the backwards talking thing. And and actually, it really worked well here for me because every time she tried to do it, Ivy would stop her. <laughs> and I, I, I feel you, Ivy. I definitely. Uh, so, I mean, it worked out, I thought, in this case. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Well, Jerry, we've mentioned sidekicks before, uh, mm. you know, with respect to uh, Query and Echo and Harley sort of like starting out as a sidekick, but be- being a character of in and of her own. You know, sure. look how far she's come. Uh, we get this uh, gaggy character who mm-hmm. who g- appeared in a Batman comic book that I got. It was one of the first back issues I ever got. You know, I was a little guy in 1976, and I got mm-hmm. an Overstreet Price Guide. Mm-hmm. And the Overstreet Price Guide would actually, back then, have the, the, the wherewithal to at least list all Batman uh, main villain appearances and uh-huh. this particular issue according to them had both the joker and the penguin appear in it and i thought mm. wow i gotta have this book if, if both of the villains appeared in that because i only thought they appeared together just in batman number 25 where mm-hmm. they teamed up you know and i thought well this this doesn't appear to be like a reprint where they're separate stories mm-hmm. but no uh i think they got the long nose thinking uh, that the Gaggy character had, he had this false nose oh. that was really extended, and he wore it like you know a clown, and that was on the cover. And I think somebody misconfused <laughs> Gaggy with the penguin, and I I was so shocked when I picked up this up, you know, for uh, the, the the this old comic book that I expected to see penguin in, and it just had a Joker prince, which I liked nonetheless, and sure. and I, I got a typical Batman sixty six story uh, number one eighty six, <laughs> and I, I <laughs> but boy, uh, I really like to see just these forgotten little mm-hmm. hench 
people yeah. <laughs> that that you you don't think about, you know. And he he, he had a voice, and he had, they gave him this whole backstory. Yeah. They they drew panels that were uh, evocative from from the time, and, and and a little bit like the cover of mm-hmm. the book. And I thought that was a nice touch. This was one of the more highlights for me with this with this particular trade. Did, did you warm up to Gaggy as much as I did, Jerry? Yeah, I I liked it. Yeah, uh, you could definitely tell it, it was a shout out to something older, um, and it made sense. You know, Joker back in the old days, if you remember the old comics he was a little i mean he was an evil guy but you know it was a more of a light-hearted bad guy in a more innocent time if you will and as you know in the interim as uh you know the culture and our bad guys got darker joker got darker along with it but and it was kind of a cool to say well back in the old days he wasn't so bad but now you know and he left me behind i thought it worked i thought the whole thing worked just fine i i, I liked him as a bad guy in this issue i did too and i, I gotta give a shout out to march's art with respect yeah. to that because he was really you could tell he was kind of more evocative of the tone and the and, and of the the flavor of of, of a silver yeah. age back there, and it was kind of drawn as such. So mm-hmm. I I really like the uh, shifting gears, if you will, with, yeah. with with respect to that a little bit there. And then you could see it get a little darker, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, with 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 the, the with the, with the now versus the the, the past. <laughs> right. So I guess. Uh, so Gaggy was back from the uh, the Eraser days, right? Pretty close. yeah, yeah. yeah. The Eraser would appear two issues later. Yeah. So yeah, he was he was around back then. Very Almost. very good uh, call there, Jerry. Nice Almost shout out. Made it. <laughs> uh, so if you were going to give this, you know, kind of summing it up, you know, the pluses and minuses, where would you come in uh, score wise with this? With the rating? Yeah, with the rating, Jerry. You know, I I am going to uh, do something that I don't ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. And I am going to pull out my co-host uh, executive privilege card, if you will. <laughs> you got it. Play okay, it. because because uh, sometimes you you know I I was torn between a three and a half and a four mm-hmm. because uh, the uh, art may be a little too cheesecakey here in places, and then mm-hmm. just the one issue, which was totally a Riddler story and wasn't a Gotham yeah. City Siren story. That took me down a little bit. I, I thought, you know, and these were fast reads. Yeah, I, I thought yes. we were kind of uh, all over the place with respect to story. The pacing was extremely fast. The, the, these reads are extremely fast. Uh, we did get a little of uh, depth and substance in the one-off stories with Ivy and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Harley with, with her family, which was good, provided good individual pieces with the character's perspective. Mm-hmm. But did we see... A lot of bonding here with these characters. Could mm-hmm. there have been a little more? Is my score going to be tainted by the fact that this is a very superior creative team? And did I expect more of them? Mm-hmm. And if so, am I going to be a little bit more of a harsher grader? Because, mm-hmm. but is that fair for me to do that? You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you know, uh, <laughs> it's like you know, uh, do do I do I grade you know? An athlete, because just because of their name and their marquee, you know, mm-hmm. am I going to you know give them the same grade as the, you know like a like somebody who's who's a different role player on a team? Mm-hmm. It's tough. So I'm going to play my card. I am not going to give this an even score. I'm not going to give this a half score. But I am going to give this rating a three point seven five. And I've never done a seven five no, you before. Haven't. So uh, I, I'm using a little bit of host executive privilege because I don't <laughs> think you or me have any rules with respect to ratings. Nope. So I am going to 
to say 3.75 Batarangs out of 5. Uh, my quibbles, again, were just, uh, the, with respect to the artwork, a uh, little bit uh, pushing the cheesecake button a little too much. Yeah. And the one Riddler story, uh, fine, fine enough as it was, didn't quite belong here, at least not so soon out of the gate. Those mm-hmm. were my uh, minor quibbles, so I'm going to go 3.75. Jerry, what say you? So I think, you know, I definitely uh, agree with a lot of the quibbles that you have and the concerns with the story, and I think they're absolutely right. I cannot be objective, and I realize that (laughs) just because I love these characters. I love this team. uh, I love them, you know, whenever they crop up, even though they're not, they don't have a book anymore. You know, like in the Harley Quinn, they'll they'll get together for a one shot or, you know, they'll uh, in the Poison Ivy book, you know, the, this relationship, this team up comes comes in. And these are all books that I love. And, um, you know, this being the beginning, the start of it all. And you can see how the relationships begin to develop. I just am so fascinated by this story. I am not really even going to try to be objective. I'm going to come in at a four. Um, batarangs and you know my my heart wants to give it more but i recognize that there are issues um and if i think for folks that are fans of this kind of anti-hero um approach to these stories i think this is something that people would really like and people would really like to read or if they're store you know um folks that are big fans of poison ivy which they're you know you have the poison ivy league and um i think lots of people like harley and you know folks like me that love selena um, I think if you like any one of these characters, this is something that's, you know, uh, a, an important kind of a must read story for them because it's their modern characterizations um, are wrapped up strongly in this. That's fair, Jerry. I, 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 I really think you hit on a lot of great points. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. I think this is a must read, though, uh, if you are definitely uh, in have any like at all for yeah. for the three core characters. Uh, I, I think this would be something that you would enjoy. And I mm-hmm. think this is a good creative team that put this together. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say that I did like it. I, I don't want people to think uh, I had my quibbles overshadowed my overall uh, score, but I, mm-hmm. I think, I think you were very fair and you did, you know, you did, Hey, you know, you acknowledge that, you know, you, it's hard to be, <laughs> uh, uh, imp- objective yeah, it <laughs> because th- these are characters that, uh, you like, these are characters that I like. And, uh, it's really interesting to see how uh, far these characters have come, you know, yes. uh, Selena Kyle from Batman number one, look where she is now, uh, yeah. poison Ivy, Batman number one eighty one. You know, here she was, who, yeah. this this woman who was infatuated with Batman, and now yeah. l- look look how that character is just flipped. Yeah. You know, and then uh, Harley Quinn, uh, Batman Adventures number twelve, mm-hmm. uh, from elevated from Joker's sidekick to being a character of an of an of herself. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? To, yep. Just to see this this progression and 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 seeing these characters and their relationships is really really interesting and fascinating to me. Yep, I agree. Well, so that's, I think, a good uh, breakdown of Gotham City Sirens, <laughs> um, number one. Now, Chris, um, you are doing some really great work over on the Batgirl to Oracle uh, podcast, uh, looking at Batman adventures and all that shipper work you're doing over there. Why don't you t- uh, tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, thanks very much, Jerry. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I was very fortunate to be given a voice on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast hosted by the talented Stella. And she allows me to cover some material. I originally started covering the Batman 66 title, but now I'm covering the Batman Adventures title, which is a comic book from the early to mid-90s based on the animated series from the 90s that appeared. And these are great, great, great stories that I don't think uh, get talked about or or really acknowledged for really being some of the more superior Batman stories of the time. And I think more or less, you know, a fair part of them have aged very well. Uh, This is classic Batman. Uh, For the most part, these are one and done stories. And how cool is that? Because uh, if you were to get this in trade form, you would get a lot of self-contained stories and not some big massive opus where you, you know, it takes uh, six to 12 issues to tell Mm -hmm. one, one story. This is this, these are fine, fine standalone stories. And a lot of them uh, also cover, uh, there's an occasional, Robin story. There's an occasional Batgirl story. Uh, we we cover a lot of the different villains that were on that, so it's a lot of fun. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at B2 on Bat Books, where I do tweet about uh, things related to Batman and uh, wax nostalgic about uh, <laughs> topics in the media, what have you. And I, I had a lot of fun with doing that. Uh, we're going to mention another podcast that uh, you and I both appear on, and there's one called Trust Your Cape, which is a role playing game. Uh, podcast that I'm very happy to be a part of and you can find that on to a Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop podcast feed and hopefully some more adventures are coming very very soon. We've got a few in the can which are being edited and it's a lot of fun. Now Jerry how cool is it that you get to review uh, some comics about some great characters such as Catwoman. I know there was a Freight issue oh. at the time of this recording that dropped recently, and I really loved your take on it. This was an awesome issue. Batgirl's really, really good. Can we find some written work that you do with respect to some reviews of these great Batman-related characters, and where can we find you on Twitter and these reviews? Well, you can find my reviews for Batgirl and Catwoman, the uh, the monthly comics, out on the BatmanUniverse.net. And if if you're interested at all in any of the Bat Family stuff, you know that's that's the uh, the website that is uh, promoting this podcast. But they have so much great stuff about Batman and the Bat World. Um, just if if you're interested at all in it, definitely go over to the BatmanUniverse.net. Uh, you can find me out on Twitter at Professor Frenzy, where I tweet out my weekly comics. I talk about indie comics a lot, uh, talk about horror movies, Dark Shadows. Um, we live tweet uh, the Saturday Night Me TV horror movies on uh, the hashtag Svengoolie out on Twitter. And we had a, a movie that I've really warmed up to, uh, Dr. Cyclops, which is a 1940s um, uh, Technicolor movie. And we saw that last night, and that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, the Sven pals were in fine form last <laughs> evening, and I was uh, getting uh, uh, momentarily distracted here and there with uh, some other things going on behind the scenes. But it, it's good, because I missed a couple of weeks because I've been uh, yeah. working on a uh, local uh, production of a show, uh, play, in town, and then I finally uh, got back, and boy, it, it, the reception and uh, that I received, you know, saying, "Hey, you were missed," you know. Yeah. I mean, that was really good, and it's a it's a fun community, and I, yeah. I am very fortunate uh, to be a part of that, and I, I really enjoy uh, the camaraderie that everybody has when we're watching these old movies. Uh, we got House of Wax with Vincent Price coming next uh, Saturday, yeah. uh, and I can't wait to see that one with this group. 
That'll be fun. Now, also, don't forget to check Chris and I out on The Professor Frenzy Show. So that's the podcast Chris and I have about indie comics, and that comes out every Wednesday. So by the time this episode is aired, we're creeping up on 50 episodes. I think we're at like 47 uh, of The Professor Frenzy Show. Um, we also talk about other pop culture topics there, and and it's been having so much fun doing that. So check the show out. Search on iTunes for The Professor Frenzy Show. Yep. And Jerry, we got a couple of comments with oh. respect to our last episode in episode number 202, where we Great. discussed Batman Long Shadows. First up, we heard from Lane on oh. Twitter, and she's can be found at Batman Books underscore DKP. Uh, Lane uh, hosts a podcast uh, relatively new to the Batman universe, and it's mm-hmm. called Batman Books The Dark Knight and Prose, yeah. where Lane is looking at uh, not necessarily comics, but these are books, mm-hmm. you know, with everything with respect to Batman related stuff. And first up, she's going through the 1989 novelization of the 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And she's done an excellent job with that. She's breaking it down a couple chapters at a time, and I highly recommend that show. Well, here's what Lane had to say. She says, you have great episode art, and (laughs) at Professor Frenzy, that's you, Jerry, where do you find time to create new songs for every episode? Wow! (laughs) Isn't that nice? That was, and you know, hey Jerry, I, I wonder where you do find the time to create those new songs, uh, and, and and that is very impressive. She wanted to thank us uh, for the shout out and the kind words on this episode. As usual, it's a great one. You two work very well together. Thank you, and ta for now. And uh, I thought that was very kind of her to say. I do want to give Lane a shout out. Uh, mm-hmm. You should check out uh, the Dark Knight in Prose. That is a fine podcast. Lane also is doing a new podcast yeah. called Gothamites Anonymous, where she's going over some of the Batman graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's co-hosting that with someone named Kat. How appropriate. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. So be sure to check out those podcasts. We also heard from our good friend Ian Miller, who is on Twitter at IBM Miller, and I do want to direct you to the Batman Universe comic podcast, Mm -hmm. where you can uh, find Ian and his insightful comments and dissection of all the current Batman-related titles, as well as finding his work on the Batman Universe homepage. Great, great mm-hmm. stuff. Ian goes on to say, This was a fascinating look at an oft-forgotten story. Do you think people don't remember this because Batman Reborn era is just over stuff with beloved books like Batwoman and Tech, mm-hmm. Batgirl with Steph, Red Robin, and the title Batman and Robin? It makes me wonder about other huge event books that might be overshadowed really strong, but not flashy books from other periods. Mm-hmm. He said he can't wait for this particular episode for we look at Gotham City Sirens, <laughs> but he's only looking forward to the first half. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. So, <laughs> yeah, Jerry, you chimed in that uh, you said this was one of your favorites and you couldn't wait to cover it on the show. Yeah, yeah. Si- uh, Sirens is, I love it. Yeah, and you also chimed in with respect to uh, the good books being overshadowed by yeah. temples, and, and that is true, yes? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think so. You, you know, you have, at the time, DC kicks up a big fuss about, um, you know, one event or another, and perfectly good, solid stories that, you know, you would otherwise, you know, hold up and say, yeah, hey, people should check this out. If they're not part of that event, they get ignored, and uh, that's unfortunate because a lot of times the regular stories are better than the tentpole events. Yes, great, great point. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I should have got in on that a little bit sooner, but I the, I think the episode dropped when I was re- literally thrust in in the effects of uh, the show I was attached yeah, to with, and are. I just I just did not really have time to get in there, and I my regrets on that. But thanks for covering it, and I, I agree with you. If you'd like to leave us a comment with respect to that, you can certainly do so on Twitter, yeah. or uh, there you can also leave comments on the Batman Universe homepage mm-hmm. with respect to the respective episode that will drop. So we. Highly encourage you to do so, and your your feedback is sincerely welcome and encouraged. So yeah. we can't thank you enough for taking the time to write in with your comments. We Love sincerely it. appreciate it. And with respect to the past episode, we did get likes and retweets from the following. First up, we heard from the aforementioned Ian Miller again at IBM Miller on Twitter. We heard from Zach Sally at mm-hmm. Zach underscore Sally. We heard from our good friend Dave, and he's at Lava Hog and Lava Hog, and of course. With part and parcel of that, we heard from The Selling Out at The Selling Out Show. That's a fine, fine podcast about two guys screwing up life at their leisure for your listening pleasure. A lot, a lot of fun on that yeah, show. Love it. Yeah, I, I had a topic for Dave to cover on his show. And to, to, it was one of those, Jerry, you think of, you ever get a great idea and you think, uh, I better write that down. And you think, no, I'll remember it. Then um, you don't yeah. remember it. Yep. Yeah, it's happened to me because I really like the uh, topics that Dave cover on that show. It's, it's really great. They are. We heard from our good friends uh, at the Bat Pod, and you can find their Twitter feed at Pod Bat. And that was where you can find Bill and Joey, and Joey's mm-hmm. at Joey Galvez eighty four, and Bill's at Gotham Knight thirteen. Shout out to Bill. Hope he's having fun at C two E two, and I hope you have a safe trip home. Yeah. We heard from our good friend Laurel at Mountain Flower One. Now you can hear Laurel on the Huntress podcast and Feathers and Foes a Birds of Prey podcast, and she does an excellent job there with yeah. some insightful comments and some great, great story recaps. Well done, Laurel. My applause to you. Yes. We heard from good friend Jody Yearden at Regal Fan. Uh, and yeah. uh, Jody, yeah, great job uh, uh, with respect to you. I heard you co-host on a recent podcast, and mm-hmm. you did a fine job. I really liked uh, hearing your voice on that show. I, I understand you co-host the Case in Point podcast, and that feed is at uh, <laughs> there and uh, at Kit Car. 83. So, uh, right. Jody, thank you so much. Yes. We heard from our good friend Sean at oh, Secret yeah. Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Goes to the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast and uh, Nerdy Dads on Nerdy Dads. Great, great stuff. Um, a new uh, What If podcast I, I, I picked up recently too. And I, uh, insightful, insightful stuff with respect to comics. Really, really good job. Applause, applause to you, Sean. Yeah. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Awesome. Thank you so much, longtime friend. We heard from Silver Claude Raven at mm. Silver Claude RA1. Lifelong Batman fan. Thank you so much. We heard from Pod Sound School at mm-hmm. Pod Sound School. We heard from our good friend Randy a couple of times. Awesome. First up at Soundtrack Alley at Soundtrack Alley. Great, great podcast. Yeah. Uh, recent episode just dropped. Thank you so much, Randy. And you can also find him at Randy the Comic nerd at randall andrews one mm-hmm. also check out his artwork not too bad oh Keep yeah it up, randy yes definitely. heard from long box of darkness at dark oh, long great. box hosted by our good friend herman we heard from justice's first dawn at classic jla i love classic jla <laughs> heard from good friend jared albrecht the yard oh, sale artist yes he's at yard nice. sale artist have you checked out hamilton brew yet i have it's mm-hmm. a work tale and i yes. enjoyed it very very much me too 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, yeah. Heard from Rob. Yeah, watch out, Auburn. We'll see how far Auburn goes in the tournament. I don't know before this thing is over. You know, <laughs> keep your fingers crossed, Jared. You know, we'll see how far Auburn, Auburn gets on the uh, uh, bracket. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just love people who are getting into the uh, hoops March Madness at this time. Yep. We, we heard from Robin Stevens at Robin oh, 031 oh. Robin. Yeah. Some, speaking of somebody who's in the college basketball bracket, she knows her stuff as well. We heard from Andy Detloff at Andy Death. So thank you very much, one and all. If I overlooked you, my sincerest and deepest apologies. If I did, please let Jerry know at Professor Frenzy on Twitter or myself know at BTO and Bat Books, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next episode. Yes, thanks, everyone, and thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover Asriel, Death, Dark Knight. My name is Jerry. <laughs> and I'm Chris. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. <laughs> Rains across Gotham City. Listen to Chris and Jerry. Loaded town, podcast sound. Go to town. It is bad books for beginners. Loaded town, podcast sound. It is bad books for beginners. It's a podcast you're waiting to see. Come along and join with all the friends and find the cream of DC. Listen to BBFB. Load it down. Podcast sound. Go to town. It is bad books for beginners. Load it down. Podcast sound. It is bad books for beginners.